I would like to give a very, very, very special welcome to Sarah's space, to my mama, who is sitting across from me. Yes, this is a 51-year-old woman calling her mom mama. I decided to do so when I was 18, and I stick strongly by it. I do love being able to call my mom mama. I love being able to call my mom anything. And the honor and privilege of being able to sit across from her and have a discussion about anything is such a treat. So I thought I would take this special opportunity to just chat with the original dance mom. <laughs> so today I'm, I'm not really going to guide it in any particular direction, but I just think it might, it actually probably will prove to be quite lovely for me as well to just perhaps, I think I'll present to you some scenarios that exist nowadays that you may have been privy to either by watching me deal with the business as an adult, or maybe more so through my daughter who's now involved in the dance world, your granddaughter. Um, or maybe we can just have little anecdotal remembrances of perhaps the change or the shift that you've seen. But why don't we start with, because I actually am curious about the origins of this whole adventure, why did you put me into dance? Mary Brewer. Oh, by the way, I, I, she's known as something other than Mama. <laughs> this is Mary Brewer, my mom. Here we go. Hello. <laughs> I put you in dance because we had just moved to Fort Langley. Uh, you were four and you were very passionate about life and I just thought you could use, in the 70s, it wasn't so uh, necessary to put children in it, all the things that children are in now. Right. But I thought something extra, which is something that that I didn't have, yeah. I just thought, okay, one step further. So when I found out that in Fort Langley, when we were living on the main street, uh, the community hall was just barely a block away and there was a teacher named Susan Clemenson who was teaching pre-dance or... Yeah. And I just thought it would be nice to see you join something that maybe or maybe not you would love. Yeah. Um, I thought in my earlier years with you when you were a baby that you might go more towards paper and ink and paper and paint paper and felts. Visual arts, in other words. Much more in yeah. the sense of that visual perception, but I put you in dance with just an open mind, and I was recalling with a friend the other day how she heard about us as a family, and that was Susan Clemenson, who was your teacher, mm -hmm. telling her that there was this lovely, joyful little girl that joined her her dance class and at the back of the hall would sit the mother who was nursing her son the, mm -hmm. throughout the whole class mm -hmm. and how she found the whole scenario so charming mm -hmm. that she had to tell her friend who is now now you're a dear friend yeah and it was uh, something of course it went I wasn't even aware of it at the time I was just doing something that I thought you would like and when I watched you, because she allowed me there, there weren't other parents there. Right. That was the, it was a very casual observance. Yeah. That how happy you were. 
Right. And I see that same thing in Kira when she's dancing in the living room. There's certain moments where she's very studied and working on something she has learned recently in class, recently with you, recently with watching you other dancers girls dancing. Yeah. yeah. But moments when she just has that inner joy. She just loves to move and loves Sorry, to move I, in an artistic form. I just gonna I wanna interrupt because this is a interesting point as a mother. Did you see in me the desire and the joy of moving, or did you see me right away glomming onto moving in a certain way? No, I saw you as a, a young person who just enjoyed the idea of something in your mind and moving to it. Okay, okay. So the imagination tying into the movement. And you see that, the imagination tying into the movement. Yes, I saw that right away. And you see that also in my daughter. Or less so or different? Uh, the daughter, the, my granddaughter, has a different way of approach. I think her idea is right away transferred into a technical movement. Right, right. Where yours wasn't. Yours was just free-flowing. We Yeah. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. <laughs> That's what I thought of dance. Woo! <laughs> um, okay, so for, further into that foray, at what point did you feel as though, because I understand that was probably called creative dance or open dance yes, or so. baby ballet or, no, they didn't even use that term. When did you feel as though the segue into more structured classical training was something that you even, why did you even think of that? Because it wasn't, it wasn't as though it came from any sort of background history or even if I'm if I'm incorrect, correct me. But I don't think you even had friends that were saying, oh, you must try classical ballet with Sarah. No. Ballet was barely a word in my vocabulary. Right, right. I, I really don't remember that point because we moved back to Ontario for right. the summer. And we did not come back to Fort Langley until almost November. Right. And... Um, where we were living, we didn't have a lot of access to either even the village or transportation. But for some reason, there was a desire, either maybe I listened to you, or maybe I just thought, well, you started that, and you seem to love it. If I can possibly do it, mm -hmm. I would like to, re to have it uh, occur again. Okay. and see how you felt about it. But where we were living at that time, it was really difficult. Yeah. But one night there was a, <clears throat> and I don't remember who it was, it may even have been Susan Clemenson, invited us to the ballet. And you were hadn't taken dance again, mm -hmm. but yet we went. and The ballet as in downtown Vancouver? I th I'm... I'm not even remembering exactly oh. what it was, but it was downtown Vancouver. Okay. And we were living quite uh, off the beaten track, so it was hard to get out and yeah, get yeah, in. Yeah. But she picked us up and we went, and I saw that you loved it. Do you recall what that was? What ballet that was? I do not remember. I have no memory of this. That's so well, interesting. We did where we, that place was yeah. from... Um, November till March, so it would have been a winter 
type of... It was a nutcracker. Well, that's what I don't remember. Right. Okay, so when we moved again, we found that there was a, a, a little girl across the, the road that was taking ballet. Oh, right. <clears throat> and okay. uh, I didn't even drive then. Okay. It was another era completely yeah. for yeah. me. And the uh, little girl's mom said, well, why don't we take Sarah as well? Right. And I said, that's a good opportunity for her to continue something that I knew that she loved as a four-year-old. And um, so that was her, the beginning of her more formal training with Miss um, Cameron. And was I five at that point? Yes. Can I just interject? Uh, an interesting thing happened where I got a chance to meet that little girl again, who, of course, is a fully grown, very successful woman with her own family now. And we hadn't seen each other in years. And the very, she, she was introducing me to a group of people around her. And in that introduction, that is exact. I, I had no recollection of ever going to dance with her or having us share ballet. I knew she knew I danced once we got older. But it was quite wonderful because she right away said, this is my ballerina friend. And we started to, and I, I, I must admit, I, you know, it's quite wonderful when, when someone from your childhood has a memory of you that you really genuinely don't have of yourself or of them. And when they impart it upon you is just part of the fabric of knowing you. And so you bringing that up makes me smile because I have a head start on that information <laughs> just from recently running into that friend again and, and hearing her version of that time. So thank you for that. And, and I would say that Miss Cameron was a very young teacher. I lucked out on taking you to her yeah. through uh, that little friend and her mom. Yes. Yeah. was just circumstance that happened to be fortuitous because there um, could have been more unfortunate circumstances yeah. in which... Maybe the training wasn't as good, or it was more slipshod, or it was more just play. Mm -hmm. Or um, unkind, or unsupportive, or uncaring. Lots. Yeah, lots of negative this, things possible. this woman was just a young woman. I think she was barely 20. And she had an enthusiasm and an intelligence about the body and the movement and the classical aspect of it that... I had not encountered before and I appreciated right away. Right. Even though I knew absolutely nothing about right. ballet. Well, right. you know, except yeah. intellectually. So uh, when you went to ballet with your friend, it was just a quite a lovely experience. And you did love it. Even though it was more restrictive, it wasn't um, being able to be a tree right or, <laughs> or the wind or <laughs> or yeah or a running brook or a meadow or could you just talk about my outfit because well, that has come up in the past <laughs> i was getting to that okay <laughs> so miss miss cameron i knew nothing about the protocol i knew nothing about uh the the dress and the various grades i was just taking you because i knew you were enthusiastic. So Miss Cameron gently suggested she is very, very uh, respectful of everyone. Mm -hmm. So she just said quietly, you know, Sarah will need a an outfit for, mm -hmm. for class. So she never designated to me she must have yeah. anything. Yeah. So I thought, wow, this is lovely. Yeah. 
I think that Sarah would love to have that. And again, we we, we were on a very strict budget. Yeah. So I thought, well, it has to count. So I asked you what you would like. Yes. Not even thinking about the protocol of right. what ballet dancers must wear. Did you see the rest of the class? Had you seen the rest of the class and what they were dressed I had, in? But I just, they, at that time, it was at the beginning of the year. So some of them weren't quite, quite dressed fully outfitted. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So... Uh, this was Mrs. Cameron organizing the little children. Right, right. So you said you wanted lime green. Did I say lime? I don't think so. Okay. You said you wanted green. <laughs> so I think I think when we went to the dance drop that you saw that color of yes. lime. Yeah. And you said that's what you wanted. Right. Because I think it reminded you of being a tree and yes. being a forest and a running brook. <laughs> And all the things that you loved about nature, even oh, at that age, because that's where we lived, mm-hmm. in nature, pretty mm-hmm. well. And you had been born in that. And so uh, you uh, got your wish, wore this beautiful... <laughs> <laughs> now, I think we need a little extra um, information, because if I remember correctly, I didn't stop at the leotard. I believe that I wanted the entire thing to oh, match. definitely. The tights and the leotard... <laughs> Okay, just I'm just going to interrupt because my podcast audience is I'm just going to guess primarily dancers and dance people either in the past or currently. So we all just need to have a moment to really appreciate and a lot of people are teaching now to to appreciate <laughs> the the whimsical um joy of watching someone come in under the circumstances where you know that they have spent their limited funds on the the brand new outfit they have on, and it is not only entirely inappropriate, but it is so boldly and brilliantly different. <laughs> not only that, but matching. And, 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 and not, it was a long sleeve leotard. I'm sorry? It was a long sleeve leotard. I believe so. Yes. I wish I had a picture, but I, I don't. think I do. Okay. somewhere because I don't think there was much of me that was not lime green except for maybe my head and my hands I think so too if the shoes could have been if the ballet slippers yeah. could have been lime green I would have done it yes yes and I remember Miss Cameron in her wonderfully restrained way <laughs> welcomed you to class <sighs> and you stood out just like a little froggy <laughs> in the middle of pink ballerinas yes <laughs> pink flowers <laughs> And the other thing I remember, oh and goodness. she was, again, uh, equally kind to each child. Yes. And she made sure that every child got to be in the front row. Yes. And that was the other thing I noticed about you, was that you started out in the back row. You weren't a <laughs> short girl. You weren't really tall. You no. You were just a little bit, you know, average Stronger build than everyone else. <laughs> So, before the end of class, without Miss Cameron designating you a certain spot, you had worked your way up to the front, and Miss Cameron would gently put you to the back again, or move you to the second oh, row. Oh, my goodness. Ah. And it was just wonderfully spontaneous on your part, because, as you said earlier, there was no background in our family. Yes to let you have some inkling of what the protocol was. Yes, yeah. But you were very spontaneous, and Miss Cameron knew that. Yeah. And she was very... 
she really was quite wonderful. And yeah. even at that young age, to uh, allow you your freedom, but gently curtail you yeah. into the classical discipline. To understand that that was a lovely starting point and that there there was a way to keep that, but put it yes. towards perhaps a pathway that had a few more fences on the side. Well, that's right. <laughs> But she never curbed your enthusiasm, which was so oh, wonderful because that's what kept you yes, wanting absolutely. to go. Absolutely. And your little friend's mom and I would come and see the recitals. And they weren't the recitals, small ones in, yeah, class, in class. Yeah. In class recitals. And I thought that that was it. You know, yeah. you would carry on. And as you got older, there'd be little in class recitals. Yeah. But and you did fall in love with your teacher, so yeah. you did the best you could. Yeah. And when you found out she was going to get married, you told me you wanted to go and buy her a ring. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's so funny? I bumped into her husband of I think close to forty or fifty years now, and I remind he didn't remember. He was just saying I think we, we were. It was in conversation. It was a couple of weeks ago, and he said something. You've been in our lives a long time. I said, actually, I was there before you. <laughs> and he was he was befuddled as to what I was referring to. And he but he had such a chuckle because I didn't remember. I didn't remember if I gave her the ring after she got married. No, it was because she was getting married. Oh, my goodness. Yep. How, how did I present it? I think you just gave it to her at the end of the session. And you said, this is for your wedding. Oh, OK. <laughs> But you must ask her because she will remember. Yes, I, I will exactly ask her. Exactly what shape it was and what okay. color it was, etc. Okay. But I'll, I'll never forget that. But I just took it for granted because you've done that since you could write, since you could talk. You would always engage people in the unique way that you had for, if you liked someone, you would spontaneously give them something. I see. And you were like that since you were... A baby, basically. Okay. Like you wanted to give away your very favorite dolly to your young just friend met, just yeah. because you liked her that yeah. day and because <laughs> that was your spirit. Um, I have, a, a, I guess, a question to ask now in relation to what you've just told me of my, my rustic roots in the ballet world. At, one, at what point... Did you recognize as a mom that perhaps I was going to be fully and 100% immersing myself in that forever? Or was there a point or did it just never stop? What I was going to say in continuation of this was jumping to eight years old when Miss Cameron, who was still under the, under the auspices of Canadian dance world so they kind of ran things and she did mention a festival which I barely knew what that meant right it was a competition which I barely knew yeah and you were eight and so I was given the um uh costume that you were to wear and you were demi character and I thought that's fun yeah yeah it was at a school in an auditorium and uh, you came on stage. Technically you did it very, very well, but you kind of were, I think shy of course, because you had no background in it. You were not tutored by me or you just didn't know. So you danced very close to the curtain on stage 
on stage. Uh, right. Yes. Yes. And I think your first mark was such and such, and it was average, mm-hmm. but you said to me afterwards that you didn't really enjoy it. You didn't want to do it ever again. And I said, that's fine. Dancing or, or performing oh, no, in a festival? Dancing, oh, okay. But you okay. didn't want to do that the whole type of competition, competition thing. Right. You weren't really versed in competition. Right. We right. hadn't in we hadn't introduced you to competitive things. Right. Which would have been a good part of your education, but we didn't think of that. Right. So you didn't compete again until you were, I think, fourteen. And you were just shining because Miss Cameron gave you a contemporary solo. Well, it actually was called back then interpretive. Okay. There was no such thing as contemporary. All right. Your interpretive solo that I think you just loved. Mm-hmm. And that was when I think you decided you were immersing yourself. Also, the other decision was soccer yeah. or ballet. That yeah. was that was more apart from me because it was a school thing. Yeah. So I didn't feel it as much as I felt the way that you danced that interpretive solo was was wonderful. Right. It's like how I see my granddaughter dancing. Right. Right. So the the. I think the interesting thing, because I do remember the turning point for me was actually at the end of grade seven. So I was about to turn 13 and go into grade eight. And dad had picked me up from uh, a soccer. We were doing, a, it was out of school at that point. Our soccer team had excelled so much that we were playing in in tournaments outside the school auspices. And our our particular team was just a, a makeup of, fairly gung-ho girls I'll just use that phrase and lots of good athletes lots of natural athleticism on that field and I enjoyed that uh, collaboration simply because they were pretty much all my friends but I have to genuinely say that I always had a bit of a difficulty with the whole team sport idea and that team reliance on one it just it didn't resonate with me naturally but I did it because they were my friends and it was fun and soccer was running around outside with the fresh air but I remember dad picked me up from that and you know made sure I was fine and congratulated me and we had won something and then I don't even remember how the conversation came up but he did say now you're going to need to make a choice because you can't do soccer to this level and dance to any further level than what you're doing right now. It's it's just not going to be feasible. And I don't remember if he tied it into, it won't be feasible for us as a family, you know, finances or time or driving, or if he just presented it as, do you want to do one of them really well? That's then make a choice. Say. And I don't, rem- I don't recall that, but I don't, don't remember being upset by being given that choice. I remember thinking about it and thinking about it. And I do remember probably thinking about it right into a class, a ballet class, and in ballet getting so few strokes, so to speak, or so few um, solid encouragements, and on the soccer field getting many. And really kind of thinking, what makes me tick? And I actually chose ballet because of that. Because it was so hard and so challenging. And it was kind of like this fun, well, not really fun, sort of fun. It was like this really stimulating quest for trying to please everybody <laughs> and, and get 
a certain amount of uh, success or, or accrue a certain amount of accolades that I deemed to be accolades at that time. So I do recall that. So that was at 12 turning 13 and then 13 just being the sort of bumbliest year on the planet, being grade eight and being a hot disaster on... Exactly. My mom is making um, swirly signals for her belly. <laughs> Yes, it was the ultimate uh, pre prepubescence. The yes, puberty, the big blossoming, so to speak. And what I do remember also in that year is Miss Cameron, again in a very polite, judicious, and calm manner, basically making it clear that that would be a time to really make a mistake and get so distracted by boys and school and socializing that it would be a detriment to what I was trying to do. So I made a further choice that that was not going to be me because I, I, ballet was just too hard. I couldn't, I could be distracted at school and succeed. I couldn't do it at ballet. So that's my recollection of that time. And I think that moving on from that, I, I mean, I think I don't, I don't want to sound corny, but I think the rest is history. I think it's fair to say that you mm -hmm. just kind of watched the snowball effect and mm -hmm. and then I... Well, I think that going back to what your dad said to you, for him, I don't think it would be... He wouldn't even have thought of, because he was not that kind of person, to think of, uh, oh, finances. Oh, we better, you know, narrow things down for Sarah because we can't do it all. He was thinking of excellence. That's all he thinks about when you're going to do something. Pursue something. Yeah. Do it really well. Yeah. And don't be slipshod in it. Yeah. And don't just take it for granted that you can, you know, slough it off maybe some weekend when you don't feel like doing right, it. Right, right. So it would be easier to be excellent at something if you concentrated on one thing. Um. As I've spoken uh, many a time in the past on my podcast about my more teenage memories and my early adulthood memories about the start of my career and the pitfalls and the going to Europe and the, um, you know, the antipathy that came from my dad, not from you, but the, the support that I of love that I had from my family always, but the antipathy that my dad had towards is this going to support you and is this going to make you happy and I don't see you being treated as I basically as specially as I think you deserve or could be treated. I, I feel like I don't want to go into that too much because I feel like I have discussed it in the past, but I would like to have you address being that you're the mom and we've never had this wonderful opportunity in the past to say, I, how, how did you deal with that? Because I have so often young students uh, who express to me with great fear and sorrow that they're, they're worried about their parents. They're worried about letting them, oh yeah, letting them down or or having done dance for so many years, but then not being able to be successful with it. Yeah, well, this is what happens for, we all think about it. And would it be a disappointment to our parents to have invested that much time and energy and money and etc. And I quite often, my advice to them is, well, I really think you need to talk to your parents because I think your parents mostly want you to be happy and healthy. And I think that they would be sorrow filled if they thought that you were contemplating quitting or contemplating not pursuing this further because you were worried about a lack of success letting them down. So I'm curious, 
what your take is on watching me. Did you ever have a moment where you worried about, for instance, my ability to make a living, my ability to survive out in the world, given that I had perhaps gifts or uh, possibilities in other fields, other academic pursuits that I chose not to do quite vehemently and chose a completely different path. What was your perspective on all that? How did you feel as a mom knowing that this was inevitable, that I was going to do what I was going to do? I remember asking Miss Cameron before you went to Europe, because I think deep down I felt that the performance aspect of you was not as um, high because of many reasons in your life. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make sure that you had a way of being independent mm -hmm. financially and feeling successful yourself mm -hmm. financially and also feeling success yourself in your spirit. Mm -hmm. I feel that I I went to her because she was your teacher and she was again very um, introspective in her reply with regard to, well, the future will bring what it brings, mm -hmm. but she intimated to me that teaching would be a viability mm -hmm. like it would be possible that you would enjoy that aspect of life eventually mm -hmm. when you got the desire to perform etc out of my system so yes, to speak yeah yes. yeah because of many reasons mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it may not have been in your cards mm -hmm. but i knew that you wanted it and i and i wanted it for you mm -hmm. But it's funny, I was speaking with another mom in an entirely different situation where her daughter has just left home right. and um, in a different situation where she's going to be in the Middle East mm -hmm. for a period of time. And just that doesn't matter. Mostly it matters that the, do the daughter is leaving home mm -hmm. and they are a very close family mm -hmm. also. And, they, and I just knew what she was going through yeah. because I felt that with you. Um, I think the... Mostly in the last few classes that you had before you left for Europe, I just felt like I was knowing that you're going to blossom wherever mm -hmm. you went, but feeling as a mom mm -hmm. just torn apart. Yeah, just, yeah. And I'm sure every mom feels that. Yeah, yeah. So, as far as not being worried about you being successful, I really, deep in my heart, I did not feel that. I had to worry at all about right. that. It was just missing you. Okay. And, you know, that. And I felt that whatever you went through, you would do it successfully because, because of the way that we philosophically saw raising you. Right. Um, and having those just, it's not ex expectations, but just knowledge. Right. So your your feeling was that you had such a connection, yeah. bo both parents exactly. had such a connection with exactly. me that there was that that full faith that yeah. that was taken care of. And as to the pathway that I took to get there yes. was going to be my pathway. Yeah. And you were going to have to deal with, you know, the missing yeah. and the, all the, the, all the bumps. yeah, there all the bumps. Of yeah, bumps. they there sure were. were. Big bumps, yeah. too. Yeah. But just that underlying feeling of confidence right. in your in your ability to succeed. So 
Um, just as a as a further thing of, well, a, a, a continuation of that thought. Now, uh, so many years down the line, when it yeah, dance has completely dominated my life uh, to the degree where I have created a life around my career and made it very clear that I did want to have a family, but I wanted to have a family once that sort of more uh, self-focused, self-fulfilled aspect of me had been fulfilled, had been culminated to a degree where I felt like I could focus on and really fully give my passions to being a mom. Now in this stage of my daughter just about to turn nine, which is astounding on so many levels, and her having been bit bitten by the dancing bug, probably in utero, uh, what is your what is your take on that as the third generation? As you've been bitten by dancing your own way, absolutely, and as an adult, but now having watched your daughter go through that pathway and 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 in a time like you said, the seventies were such a different time. You were coming from truly a place of absolutely no background or education or uh, really ability to accrue information about it. Totally fresh. Innocent. Innocent. And now watching me go through it, frankly, and totally not innocent, (laughs) but almost way too much knowledge in this mothering status as well. Uh, And it's your granddaughter. What's your take on that? I mean, how, how... what is that like for you? Is it like being an audience member? Is it like being, are you back to being my mom where you say, well, I have complete faith that there'll be lumps and bumps, but it'll all work out? Or is it as a grandma where you're, where you're more more separate from the mom of Sarah and more grandma to Kira thinking? I have complete faith. So you, it's just going to work out. It is. It's just going to work out. So on that pathway, let's just talk about it as more of a, maybe an observer's perspective now, because I think it's fair for me to say it's been a bit like uh, someone who would have been born in the 1900s and watched the invention of the car and the television and the radio. And that's I think from my childhood and my dance training to now, what you see available for children, and you're only seeing it secondhand through me. What What's your comment on that and and I I guess I'm not asking you to take a political stance or or give it a yay or a nay but what is your comment on it as an observer how do you feel that has um lent itself to maybe furthering the dance world or giving it more access to children less access giving it more quality less quality what's your perspective on that well, other than having complete faith in what you are uh, doing for your daughter, with the knowledge, with the extensive background that you have, it's so different than mine. Not only that, but the times have changed so much. Mm-hmm. I'm getting this all secondhand from you. Mm-hmm. And I must say a little voice inside me saying, oh, I'm so glad that I had you when I <laughs> And I did not so to deal with this. I was innocent of all of <laughs> yeah. this because the machinations of today sound like a kind of frenzy and complicated and very, very complicated. complicated. Yeah, but I know because you've been in it for 
what, 40 years? Uh, yes. Uh, no, well, as a, as a teacher, 40 years. Yeah. As a dancer, I guess we're coming up to 47? Yes. Yes. Um, I have complete faith in the fact that you have maneuvered your way through all those pathways all those years as this new generation has developed mm -hmm. of more s savvy, sophisticated mm -hmm. uh, way of approaching that art form. Right. I feel that you can do it and I'm just that little voice for me saying I'm so glad I did it when I, I couldn't I couldn't have I don't think unless that, I was born in this era yeah. have been able to deal with the comp, com, the complicated world that right. is developing now in the dance world. Right. I feel that I was very grateful for what I had and how I was able to uh, do the path that I was chosen to do, actually, and with you. Can I also, just, just for fun, because we're probably nearing the end of our conversation about this particular matter, can I, uh, can I entertain a story or two? Let's have a, two stories, please, about the things that you needed to do as a dance mom back then to stand out in my mind. One of them would be making costumes, and I think maybe the tutu is the one that's making me the smile the most. And the other one would be darning the point shoes. So could darning the tips of the point shoes. So, yeah, you should see the facial expressions my mom is making right now. I think it would be fun for you because right now, I think for today's youthful audience, that almost sounds like the old days, such as ancient Paris opera, you know, where the the stages were yes. raked and it was lit by fire. <laughs> so if you wouldn't mind, just, yes, ex full on Degas paintings. Yes. If you wouldn't mind sharing <laughs> a little, um, well, your experience with, first of all, I, I, I can't remember which one came first. I think the point shoes would have come first because that would have been at 11 and the tutu would have been at 14. That's correct. So let's start with the point shoes. Well, the point shoes were, uh, I received a little piece of paper, mm -hmm. and uh, it instructed me. I did like sewing, but the point shoes were a brand new aspect of sewing to me, and uh, fingers being pierced by needles going into almost brick-hard points and learning the weaving that was required. Um, and sorry, why was it required again? I'm sorry? Why was it required again? Well, because the point shoes otherwise would slip on the floor. So there was this uh, quite thick, good maybe button thread that was being used mm -hmm. as a, as a, looks a bit like a spider web that was sewn right into the point of the shoe. Okay, now, because no one is going to understand why this is being asked, say what the floor was. Well, did you ever have a Marty floor? Never, never. <laughs> I danced on gym floors. I danced on cement, on laminated wood. I danced on wood on top of concrete. I danced on old, beautiful plank wooden floors, yes. and that would have been a new west. Uh, no wood, yeah, wood or that church that gym halls. floor, church hall type stuff. Yes. Yeah, yeah, church hall type, which were yes, quite yes. Or, or and and a preschool floor, which was uh, what's that stuff called? Lamin laminate tile. Um, oh shoot! Not lino. 
Yeah. Yes, linoleum. That's right. It was linoleum floor. <laughs> it seems. So, yes. So, so, so that's why we did that. Some sort of scuffing, some sort of prevention from slipping and sliding was really necessary. It's not necessary today. Are you actually questioning me? <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. No, mom, I think that that actually probably became unnecessary even before I stopped dancing and doing wow. my Royal Academy exams. Yeah. yeah. Well, those were the days. And those Dega, were the days. Again, because I look at some of those paintings and oh, those tatties. Tatty tutus. Well, we'll continue. So we'll segue right into the tutus. I again was a novice. Not, I, I'd say a novice is novice, and I was so blessed to have other dance moms at that point who were better seamstresses than I, who took me under their wing and helped me to make a tutu. The 12, 13, 14 little layers on the uh, pant part of the tutu and then the 12 or 13 or 14 layers of actual tutu itself and uh, I had a, just a straight sewing machine old-fashioned it was electric which was good <laughs> it could have been, <laughs> you could have been peddling I it I did have a hand-operated uh, one but this oh one goodness. was electric and it was just a, a huge experience for me and I was quite proud of my efforts and when you put your costume on and the lovely tutu was a bit like a, a day lily that folds up at night. Yes, yes, I do recall. <laughs> you know, the funniest thing was, is competition at that point. So I would have been 14, the first tutu that you ever made. Uh, at that point, we were starting to have more of an influx of the urban studios competing against us. So in the urban environment, there was access and also there was a more affluent environment for sure. And there was access to costuming that was being done by professionals. And at that time, if I recall, there was a rumor that someone had spent $450 on a tutu, which nowadays I think is pittance, I think, in the tutu world. And not one single mother on the planet unless they are the seamstress for the studio makes tutus it's all mm -hmm. they're all professionally made or mm -hmm. sent away for or what have you so i i do look at the comparison a recollection of dancing in the same category as someone who had a professional pancake tutu mm -hmm. um with my lovely day lily as you called it um my fluffy day lily and my beautifully hand sewn little sequins, um, little lacy it bits. It was beautiful in its own way. It was. It, it, and you know, it's still in my closet. And you know that Kira <laughs> loves it and has put it on for many a dance performance for me. She, uh, she, I mean, to her, it's divine. I mean, it's a tutu. And I still think that that's part of the whole... Magic. Yes. Exactly. That it's not about it has to be a certain way. Otherwise, it's not good enough. That's right. Absolutely. I think that... Uh, I, I think... One of the reasons why I wanted so badly to talk to you on Sarah's Space was because I have obviously had the opportunity to speak. I shouldn't say obviously. I've had the opportunity to speak to many, 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 many hundreds of students over the years about how lucky I am to have a relationship with my family of the quality that I do and to be supported the way I was and that it really was an unusual family structure it was an unusual family dynamic and that um, I was given quite a lot of free reign to explore my actual character 
and and then to build all the rules after my character was explored. So it's a different perspective. It's a different way of child rearing for sure, and certainly not for everyone. However, when I'm talking to my students and they say things to me such as, wow, you have such a different way of looking. I love listening to the way you think about, and I smile to myself and I think, you need to talk to my mom and my dad and hear a conversation. So I really, really appreciate you talking because even just in your uh, retrospective look at my my ballet beginnings, and I think that we should probably also just finish this conversation by saying that very first ballet class that Susan Clemenson talked to her friend about because she was so tickled by this unusual little girl and this unusual mom and breastfeeding her rather large three-year-old boy at the bower, two-year-old, two. wasn't quite. 16-year-old. Oh, <laughs> he was only one-year-old at that point. Was he? Oh, because I was yes, four. That's I, apo- right. I apologize. He was, he was one years old, but he was a very large, healthy, he yeah, very, very healthy, healthy baby. Yes. Um, but you probably were wearing clothes that you had completely made, and they were probably not your typical polyester plaid checked things of the 70s. I'm just going to throw it out there and guess that perhaps it was a pair of pants that had been split down the middle seam and re-sewn to make a skirt, possibly with some embroidery with some little mirrors sewn in. That could have been. That possibly. was one of my very treasured outfits. Yes, and like maybe... Wrap-around skirts. Wrap-around skirts. Yeah. And maybe some sort of swishy blouse that you had added some cuffs to with some embroidery. Because they're never long enough. No, I know, because the arms need space. <laughs> and then perhaps maybe a headscarf, because you did enjoy wearing a yes, headscarf. I did. I feel that that perhaps also lent to the full picture of this unusual little family that had come in with their quite open spirits. <laughs> I, I think that a reason why I wanted to paint that picture is because I do have the opportunities at times to teach young children, not as many as I used to. And, you know, there's occasionally a child that breezes into your room that comes with such true innocence and such a sense of self that I can only imagine the picture that we created, painted, were <laughs> for this young woman yeah, in the we 70s. Just were, yes. Yeah, we just were. So I thank you very much, Mum, Mama, You're Mary. Very welcome. I uh love you I and love you too. I love that you did this. Thank you so much and thank you for coming to Sarah's space. You're welcome. <laughs>